Well, I don't know about you, society, but it helps me. Love that line, huh? Well, we're, we're glad you're here with us today. Um, and, and we're entering this three-week series that we're calling a three-week series. For someone you know who needs a message on character, so invite them because obviously we're not talking about you. And our goal during these three weeks is to help you be able to identify and correct all of the character flaws in everyone around you. <laughs> right? Wouldn't it be a perfect world if we could just fix everyone else's character? Well... Because truthfully, you know, we all have, I have a friend who has this problem, right? Don't we all have a friend who has this problem? <laughs> and character is certainly one of those things that we uh, are pretty, pretty tuned into. We, we definitely want to make sure uh, that, that uh, all the people around us have character. We desire character in others. And if you don't believe me, just check this out. You ever notice how easy it is for you to spot character issues in others? You ever notice that? Oh, man, that guy never stops talking. She's so sensitive. That guy gossips. He's a liar. He never returns my phone calls or emails. <laughs> oh, they're always bragging about their kids. The fact of the matter is, actually, as I was naming those, don't raise your hand, but my guess is many of you actually had people come into your mind when I said specific things. <laughs> Right? You probably went, oh yeah, that's so-and-so. See, because we're tuned in to character, we desire character in others. And we also, not only bad character, not just bad character, but good character. You know, you look at some people and you go, man, I love the way they live. I want to live like that. I was saying to Susie, you know, you look at, just look at Dave Nelson. That's a guy of character. And what I know about him, his character is developed because I know every single morning he wakes up, he spends time with Jesus and seeks God's desire for his life. And that develops the character. And that pre- that's his reputation. I see Lad Chapman. Here's a guy who deeply, deeply cares about people far more than I do. I don't really care about you guys. <laughs> I mean, I want to, but it's just... He, seriously, Lad Chapman just cares about... He's got a shepherding heart. You're around Lad and you just feel like, man, that guy really cares about me. That's his character. Yeah, you can clap for that. I wasn't making that really a fact. It's true. I, so I uh, started thinking about character. I, I made two lists here. And we're going to put these lists up. And if you want to grab your U version, you can actually vote on this. I think it's going to be a landslide. But I have two lists. And I want you to decide which one of these lists actually demonstrates what character is. So take, take a look at these lists here. The first list is Gandhi. Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks. Remember, she wouldn't sit down in the back of the bus. Martin Luther. List number two, Tiger Woods, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bernie Madoff, Joseph Coney, Adolf Hitler. My guess is if you had to vote which one had character, I would hope you'd vote for the list on the left. And the other thing that's really interesting that I realized, I just kind of made this list as quickly as I could. I thought about it for just a little bit. The list on the left was harder to come up with. And what do you notice about every single person listed in the left? They're all dead. This is a long time ago. Look at the list on the right. Except for Hitler, 
They're all still current. See, it's easy for us as humans, we see and we actually demonstrate more often failed character than good character. And you could argue that the list on the right, those people are highly successful at what they're trying to accomplish. (laughs) Doesn't mean they have good character. But to find people with good character, I kind of had to go back in time. Character is the aggregate or the sum of the features and traits that form the individual nature of people. It's the sum of our character, uh, of our nature and our traits. Character is the moral or ethical quality that we have. It's honesty and courage, integrity. You know, reputation is kind of one of those things that kind of gets mixed in with character, you know? People know who you are. Like I said, the reputation of Lad and the reputation of Dave is demonstrated by the character. Because here's the thing. Synonymous with character is action. What do I mean by that? Well, your actions are governed by your character. What you do is a demonstration of who you are. If you, uh, my wife and I just watched this. We have this little kids thing. We watched this last night. It was really, really good. Galileo, anyone know much about him? (laughs) Good, an intellectual crowd. Um, Highly studied. Um, Galileo, he believed different than, than what Aristotle had taught. And Aristotle, you know what Aristotle taught? He, he taught that the earth was here and everything revolved around the earth. That's, that's Aristotle. And Galileo said, no, that's not right. I believe that the sun is the center of the universe and everything revolves around the sun. Big deal. He's a smart guy, right? Well, the big deal actually is this. Because of his belief and his desire to teach correct truth, he was disallowed to teach in Pisa. And then he went to Rome, and they wouldn't let him teach in Rome. And then they said, well, he can go to, he can go to Venice because it's free-thinking Venice, right? But even when he got to Venice, they didn't want him to teach that because what they said is the church believes that Aristotle is right, and for you to teach something other than what Aristotle teaches is actual heresy, for 36 years, Galileo taught in Venice. But he had to kind of coat the way he taught. He was given the right by the Pope to publish a book that presented both sides. And after he published the books, 36 years in, he published a book presenting both sides. The earth is the center of the universe and the sun is the center of the universe. 36 years in, he publishes this book. He, they bring him in before the, the Pope and, and uh, they say, you know what? It's too biased. You're a heretic. They try him. House arrest for the last 10 years of his life. See, that is a person who has character because his actions were formed by what he believed. That's what character is. Another great example, though, the flip side is this. Sometimes our inactivity is formed by our character. There was a movie that came out in the late 80s. Jodie Foster uh, was, was the... Um, star of the movie and this, the movie is called The Accused and I don't know if you know too much about it I'm not actually recommending you go see it or anything but the movie goes like this she plays this morally loose woman in this movie and one night she goes to a bar and in the bar during that night she ends up getting raped right in the bar by many guys not just one guy 
as bystanders stand around and watch it all happen. What happens is the prosecutor prosecutes not the people, not just the people who raped her, but the people who stood around doing nothing. Because those people who did nothing demonstrated their character by not stepping into the situation. What we do is the result of what we believe and what our character is. There's just no two ways about it. And what we don't do also is. You hear people say, it's just not my character to behave that way. Or man, it must take a lot of character to do that. Well, today what I want to do is I want to go a step deeper. I want to explore not just what we think character is, but look at God's word and understand what godly character is in God's eyes. And not only what, what it is, but, but how can we develop the character that God desires us to have and exhibit we're going to do this by looking at four chapters in, in uh, the book of Joshua, chapter 7 through 10. We're going to look at the life of Israel. And we're going to see uh, how they did or didn't demonstrate godly character in what I'm calling the four R's of character. And you guys have these cards on your, on your uh, seats there, the four, Ruts, four R's of character. I've already given you the punchline, but now what I want to do is go back and sort of give you the setup for why these are the four R's. You can also follow along in your U version if you want with notes there. But instead of reading all, all four of these chapters, I just want to give you the background on what had happened. So you know that Moses was the leader of Israel. They were in captivity to Egypt, and then they, they're set free, and then they, they wander for a while, and then they, they cross the Red Sea on dry land, and then the Egyptians follow them in. The Egyptians get killed because the sea uh, collapses back on them. Now Joshua, Moses has died. Joshua has taken leadership, and they've been on these military campaigns where they are just crushing everyone that they're coming against. They're crushing them. And they also cross over the Jordan River in like fashion where it separates and they cross on dry land at at high tide season, you know. And um, the people of Jericho were the next city in line. And and as you read, you find out that the people of Jericho are terrified because the God of Israel is coming at them. And they're powerless against the God of Israel. Well, their master plan, their master plan... For battle is they march around the walls of Jericho six days saying nothing and on the seventh day they go seven, seven times around and then on the seventh, after the seventh time they blow their trumpets and shout. Great plan, huh? Apparently so because the walls crumbled. They take the city of Jericho. Done deal. The next thing to happen is their, their next foe is the city of Ai. Well, Ai is not like the same. It's a smaller, you know, this is a done deal. We'll go kill them. As a matter of fact, Joshua only sends 3,000 fighting troops. It's such a done deal. But a weird thing happens. They go to fight and, they, and Israel loses. After these brilliant military victories, they go to fight Ai, this simple win, and they lose. And here's where we pick up in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. It says this. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. So after God had given them the victory, Achan sees some good stuff and says, and they were told not to take it. He's like, no one's going to know. Stick it in the coat. We're good to go. And as a result, Israel, as a direct result of that sin, Israel is forced to lose their battle against Ai. First R, 
of godly character is remove sin. Just a couple thoughts about this. The first thought is this. Godly character is not a both and proposition. You know, we, we, we uh, want the blessings of God and, and we want the things that God tells us to leave alone. <laughs> Just like Achan. I want God's blessing and victory, but I want to take the stuff that I want. And it doesn't work that way. See, we have expectations on God. We all have expectations on God. But somehow, we often think that it's unfair that God has expectations on us. It's like living in, in, in the home. You guys may have had this with, with your parents or whatever. You get to a certain age and you're like, well, I think I'm this age now. I love living here. Good stuff. Like the roof, like the food. But I think I should be able to come and go as I want. I don't want a curfew. I want to eat what I want. I want to watch what I want. I want to listen to what I want. I want to do what I want. I just want to live here. See, that's a great... And we probably... Many of us have had that conversation with our parents, right? And it's such a great example of how we treat God as well. We want the good stuff. We have expectations. What are our expectations? Well, we want to help him when we're. We want help from him when we're sick. We want him to heal us. We we uh, want him to help us get the job. We want him to help us get the girl, right? We want him to help us win the championship. We have expectations on God. We just don't like the expectations he has on us. Uh, I was meeting with uh, my friend Friday morning for breakfast. And he said, my, that, that's, it's called anthrocentric. That's what, what's happened. Just like how um, Galileo taught that the earth was not the center of the universe. Anthrocentrism is this. It's where we as humans think that humans are the center of the universe and everything that's not human is created and revolves around serving humans. People. I'm the center of the universe. Everything is here for me. When we, in fact, should be theocentric, which is God is the center of the universe. Everything revolves around him. We're here to serve him. We think that God created us because he needed someone to serve. Right? Good thing he made us or he couldn't serve us. But the reality is God created us so that we could serve him. Well, it's not both and. The second thing is this. So first, you need to remove sin from your life. That's the first R, remove sin. The second, oh, let me, let me tell you this. The, the other thing is, the second thought on removing sin is that I just want to caution you, removing sin from your life is not a recipe for personal prosperity or a way to manipulate God into giving you what you want. So often, <laughs> okay, I have a friend who does this. It's not me, it's a friend. And uh, so he's got something big that's happening, right? He's got a job interview or whatever. Man, I gotta go, let me see, I'm gonna spend some time in God's word this week and I need to pray extra hard and get really, make sure I confess everything because if I do that and I live right, God will give me the job, right? Isn't that how it works? I mean, in Hollywood it works that way, doesn't it? See, it doesn't work that way. You are called to be holy. The only guarantee, the only recipe you have about confessing sin is this. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive you and cleanse you and put you back in right relationship. That's the recipe. The other stuff is up to God, not up to us. 
in the end, our confession is about allowing ourselves to develop the humility necessary to come under the authority of God. It can be really difficult to confess, and there isn't always a guarantee of a happy ending. But there is the guarantee of spiritual character development. I want to look at, uh, go back to the story uh, with Achan here. In uh, Joshua chapter 7, verses 19 through 21, it says this. Then Joshua said to Achan, he's talking to him directly, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. And Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They're hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. See, that's the both hand. Achan wanted what God had for him, and he wanted what he had for himself. Well, if you know what happens, there's not a happy ending for Achan. As a matter of fact, God tells the Israelites, you need to kill Achan and his whole family for this sin. Not a happy ending. And here's what's interesting about that. Achan came clean because even after his failing, he knew that godly character was more important than the possessions he had taken. And dying with godly character was more important than living with ungodly character. And the God, the same God that we serve today is holy and he desires that we understand that his desire for our godly character is more important than all the stuff we can jam into our pockets. You know, and I... Yeah. You, you know, when we have sin in our life, we have to confess that. Here's the thing. I, I may have sinned five times already this morning. But the good news is I don't know about it. But the second I do, I have to confess it. That's godly character. And we sin all the time. We make mistakes. But the second we're aware of sin in our life, godly character says, I remove the sin from my life. I want to pick up the story here again after losing to Ai in chapter 8 of Joshua. Here's what happened. Israel deals with the sin of Ai, of, I'm sorry, of Achan, and they, they cleanse themselves and they purify themselves and, and uh, then they seek God's direction. They say, what should we do? And God reveals this master plan. I love that. I'm just going to share this with you. It doesn't really, it's just a great story. And I, I want to tell you this too. Uh, so often people will tell you, you know, when you want to read the Bible, a lot of people say, man, it's just hard for me. I don't really get it. It's kind of, I don't really understand. It's hard for me to read. And people always say, well, read John or read First John. And those are great because they demonstrate godly character. Right, the, the, Jesus, you, you see the character of God in Jesus and his things. It's great. Another suggestion I w- might make for you is this. If you want to read stories, want to read like a novel, read Joshua. Just great stories that demonstrate godly principles through the lives of other people. And it's just like reading a novel. It's just fantastic stuff. So here's what happens. Uh, they, they, the, the, the battle plan is this. They seek God. They say, what do we do? And they say, okay, here's what you do. You send a gr- bunch of your people and they go and they, they set an ambush in the forest and you just wait. And then what you're going to do is you're going to send people out in the open and the city of Ai is going to see you and they're going to come rushing to battle. The second they come rushing out, you slip in behind them, they torch the city. The city goes up in flames. The, the warriors from Ai turn around and they're like, uh-oh, nowhere to go. 
The people that they're chasing into the wilderness turn around, and now we have an Oreo sandwich of Israel, Israel, AI. It's a pretty good military strategy. Just not really spiritual implication, just I think it's a good story. So, I mean, that's what happens. They take the city of Ai, uh, and, they, and they defeat them, and they celebrate the victory that they have. And the next thing they do is, is the next thing we find out is that the kings west of the Jordan, they're getting wind of all this. Again, they're terrified of what's going on with Israel and the God of Israel, and uh, they form an alliance against Israel. All of the kings west of the Jordan say, we're going to fight together against Israel. All the kings except one that is. And that's Gibeon. Gibeon has this crazy plan that's just kind of crazy enough that it might work. So they abstain from this alliance. And what they do is they say, okay, we, they, they, they send these guys out and they're wearing old beat up clothes, worn out shoes and saddlebags that are beat up. And uh, they put moldy bread in the bags and they... Uh, um, they have wineskins that are broken and look like they've come from, you know, who knows how long. And they say to Israel, they say, hey, we'd like to have a peace treaty with you. Is that cool? And they go, well, no, we're not having peace treaties with people around us. They go, well, you clear, look at it. We're from far away. <laughs> we're from way away. You don't have to worry about us. Let's just have a peace treaty. And they go, well, what if, what if you're lying to me? Well, if we're lying, then you just make us our, your servants. And so in their mind, they're going, it would be better to be their servants than dead. Pretty much how they're thinking about it. And so we pick up uh, in, in Joshua chapter 9, it says this. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety. And the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding truth, or a binding oath, excuse me. Three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people actually live nearby. Whoops. The second R is this, receive God's direction. How many times in a day do you find yourself resorting to just common wisdom rather than seeking God's direction? My friend does that. See, and I, I just want to tell you this, that, that I'm, I'm looking at this situation and it, it makes sense to me too. But it clearly says that they didn't see God. And I, I want to tell you that it's very important when we're making decisions that we use good wisdom. It's very, very important. God gave us a brain. Let's use it. We, uh, Joyce Meyer says this. If you write nothing down, nothing down for the day, but you write one thing, write this. Joyce Meyer says this. Wisdom is doing now what you are going to be happy with later on. Wisdom is doing now what you're going to be happy with later on. It's important that we use wisdom. It's important that we seek the counsel of those around us. It's important that we use the brain that God gave us. It's important that we count the beans and look at the dollars and cents. But it's equally important that when we're making decisions that we consult God's desire for our decision. And too often, Susie and I were talking, my wife Susie and I were talking about this last night. We were talking about some stuff and as we're talk, I, I always you know, share my message with her and she says, we're talking about, well, I don't even know exactly what it was. And she said, you know what? I think we may not have consulted God on this. Or this, you know, and I'm like, wow. Yeah, I think you might be right. It's really easy to rely on our wisdom and we just blow past God. And the reality is that sometimes God asks us to do stuff that just doesn't flat out make sense. It just does. 
And I'm not talking, when I'm talking about making, I'm not talking about you eat the hamburger or the cheeseburger. I think you can figure that out on your own. But, you know, maybe you're dating a guy or a girl and you're like, oh, you know, good. They call themselves Christian. I really like them. They're cute. Yeah, we should probably get married. Maybe check with God on that. Maybe. Well, they've got these two job options. This one's got these benefits. This is more money. Check with God on those decisions. So, how do we get direction from God? That's really quickly, I'm going to rip for this. If you're going, yeah, so okay, Mike, okay, I'm going to do this. How do I do this? I'm just going to give you a couple thoughts that I think will help you. First thing is this. Seek the wise counsel of someone who loves you, but loves God more. Because if you seek the counsel of someone who loves you more than God, they're not going to give you godly counsel. They're going to give you you counsel. Seek the counsel of someone who loves you but loves God more. The second thing you want to do is check. Sometimes decisions are really easy. Check and see, is it aligned with the word of God? If it's not in alignment with God's word, don't do it. Okay, it's pretty simple. The underlying uh, understanding is that you're actually reading God's word to know that, right? If you're not spending time in God's word, you're not going to know if it's aligned with his word. The third thing is pray and ask for God to open and close doors and make it obvious. Commit your decision to him is the fourth thing you can do. Commit your decision to him and go, God, this is what I'm hoping for. And you know what? Change my heart. If my heart is different from your heart in my desire, change my heart to desire what you desire. And I I don't remember who it was. Someone said this once. Easy recipe to get everything you want in life. Want what God wants because he'll give you the desires of your heart. Another thing that is really difficult is when you are seeking God, seeking his direction, after you've prayed, just listen. Stop talking. Stop asking. Sit still and listen. And it can be really hard. Maybe start with 30 seconds. Just listen. And go, God, what? Okay, help me understand what you want from me. I'm just to tell you the last thing is this. If you have not done step one, which is removing sin from your life, it will be very difficult for you to clearly hear God's will. Okay? It just will. Remove sin. Receive his direction. The third thing is respond immediately to God's desire. We're going to go back to the story that we're looking at in these four chapters of Joshua. Um, we're, we're, look at AI here again. In Joshua chapter 8, verses 1 and verses 9 and 10, it says this. God said to Joshua, Don't be timid and don't so much as hesitate. Take all your soldiers with you and go back to AI. I have turned the king of AI over to you, his people, his city, and his land. Then Joshua sent them off And they went to the place of ambush and they lay in wait between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent that night with the people. Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his army and he and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. Don't so much as hesitate. Erwin McManus has this phrase that he's coined. It's called light speed. Light speed, as he defines it, is the immediate response of obedience to the prompting of God's will. The immediate response of obedience to the prompting of God's will. See, God's will, just so you know, God's will is not like a message board or a buffet 
or a collaborative effort for us to agree on what we should be working on. He doesn't go, well, here's a suggestion. No? Well, I got another. How about this one? We walk up to the message board. Mm, that one's okay. I'll take this one. That's not how it works. See, I have a friend who too often doesn't like what God tells him to do. And so he just kind of tries to ignore that option or ask God for another one. And the problem is this, that the other option never really comes until I deal with the first one. This is a true story. I actually, it was a Sunday after church and I had a friend, it was here at K2, and my friend came up to me and just bawling mess sobbing, <laughs> you know. I'm like, wow, what's going on? Well, what's happening? They said, well, I don't know, I just don't feel God's presence. I just, I just want to be close to him, but I'm just, I can't get there. And I'm like, well, tell me what's going on in your life. And they go, well, uh, yeah, I got this thing. I'm like, wow, that's a pretty big thing there. What do you think you need to do about that? I think I need to deal with it. Yeah, when do you need to do that? Today, okay, let's do that. About a month to the day, about a month to the day later, that same person, Sunday after service, a bawling mess, sobbing in there, coming out of their heart and out of their throat, and I say, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I just, I'm saying, I just need to feel God's presence. And Hey, remember when we talked last time, the stuff we talked about? And Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever happened with that? Ah, I didn't do anything with it. See, here's the thing. When, we, when God lays stuff before us that we know we need to respond to and we do nothing with it, don't expect more options and don't expect that your character is going to develop. Doing the hard thing is the right thing. Character is not doing the things we like when we get around to it. Character responds with light speed to God. It may be dealing with sin that you've left unattended. It may be acting on a prompting you received from him. It may be doing what you know is right, even though it's really, really, really hard and the outcome may be uncertain or maybe messy. It may be not doing something that we know we shouldn't be doing. But I'll tell you this, it will always be the right thing to do and it will always result in the development of character. Always. Fourth and final thing is this. Realize that character is not circumstantial. Let's go back to the uh, story with Gibeon, the town of Gibeon. And the five kings have now aligned. They want to go fight against Gibeon for not joining their pact and, and, and kind of make an alliance with uh, Israel. And they decide, okay, we're going we're gonna to take these guys out. And what they do it says this, that their combined armies, the five kings that combined, their five armies combined, and, and they formed a vast horde with all their horses and chariots. They covered the landscape like the sand on the seashore. Immense. And they're going to go against Gibeon. Joshua 10, verses 6 and 7 says this. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once, save us, help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country, have joined forces to attack us. So Joshua and his entire army, including the best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. 
Character is not circumstantial. Clearly, they were deceived into this treaty, and if you could ever justify a reason for getting out of that pact, doesn't that make sense to you? See, but here's what happened. Israel says, no. You see, the thing is, I can't control what Gibeon has done. They're responsible for their own actions. I'm responsible for my oath. And what was their oath? They made a treaty, and they guaranteed their safety. And they ratified it with a binding oath. That was their word. And they said, my word is my word and I will honor God with my character. Not circumstantial. I'm going to do what's right. And now they're drawn into a battle to protect the people who fooled them into this treaty. And they win, of course. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, there is no change of circumstance that can repair a defect in character. Too often, what we believe is if my circumstances were just a little different, I would, be di- I would have different character. And the reality is this. The circumstances only allow you to exhibit your character. New circumstance, character goes with you, just so you know. Doesn't change by changing the circumstance. Again, my friend has this terrible habit of justifying his behavior based on the cir- circumstances and the situations. You know, what we do is we see someone, someone else did something that we think is not right or they're doing something that's not right. So our response is, I'm going to do sort of what I think should be right in response to that, right? And that justifies it. You know, well, this costs too much. I shouldn't have to pay for this. I, as an example, I, I, um, my wife and I, we just bought a car, a, a van, and uh, we bought it from this guy and we got done and he's a nice guy and he, we, we signed the paperwork and he says, hey, uh, Hey, Mike, so um, you're going to have to go pay taxes on this purchase, you know. And so one thing I could do um, is I could actually write a lower price and you wouldn't have to pay the taxes. Makes sense. I mean, you think about it. Why should the government get to tax that vehicle twice, right? They shouldn't. Yeah, but that's the rule. I never had to think about it for a second. The right thing to do is pay the tax. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. I didn't have to think about it because godly character doesn't circumstantialize their, their situation and go, oh, well, this would be okay under this circumstance. Another really funny story, I'll just tell you this in closing. Another really funny story is this. I went to Smith's on the way home and you know how they have the self-checkout things. This was after a Sunday service and um, I was just picking up some stuff to take home and I buy the stuff and I go to the self-checkout and I do that and then I, oh, you want cash? Yeah, let me get 40 bucks. So it spits out the, the 220s and then I bag my stuff and I walk off and I leave the 40 bucks there. And I pull out and um, I'm like, oh shoot, I forgot my money. So I turn back around, I go back in and of course it's not there. And I go up to the teller and I say, the person, you know, the person who kind of mans those stations and I say, hey, uh, Here's my receipt. I just got 40 bucks and I left it here. Did anyone turn that in? She goes, no. Someone turned in 20 though. <laughs> like, see, there's where reputation and character are not the same thing, right? Here's someone going, here's 40, a little for me. And look, it, I'm going to give this money back because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> reputation is what others see you do. Character is what you do, whether anyone is looking or not. Those four things, those four things, remove sin, receive God's direction, respond immediately, and realize that character is not circumstantial. I'm going to have Patrick, he's going to come out, and we're going to take an offering here as we close out our day. And 
I just, you know, I just want to let you guys know, and greeters, you guys can come forward. Um, and if you, if you, you can take this card and I find these things to be helpful, I stick them in my Bible or I stick them on my refrigerator or in my mirror or in my, in my uh, bathroom and, and then I can just look at these things and remind myself that I want character more. And uh, just today, as, as we take our offering, I mean, this is, again, this is an issue of character. What do you, what do you want? Do you want to, for God to go, I'm really pleased with how you've stewarded my money? Or do you want to keep more in your pocket? That's your decision. I don't want to, I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. But I think that these are th- decisions that we have to make every day. And so I'm going to ask if you guys would uh, pray with me as we close out this morning. Heavenly Father, you um, love us so much and you are, well, you're just so much more concerned for our deeper needs. And we get get shallow and we focus on immediate desires and uh, man, we just, we end run the process of developing the character because it's too hard or we just don't want to or we want something else. I pray that this morning as we as we've looked through these things, that these things would embed themselves in our hearts and in our minds, that we would understand that your development of our character is what you desire more than anything else. Bless this offering as we take it up, Lord. Use this money. Help us have character as we use this money to help those around and we carry on the ministries here at K2. Thank you for loving us so much. Bless this in your name.